Welcome to Blitzcats, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 101. Ed, 101. You missed the 100th show, Ed, but here you are. We're, we're on to the next century mark, and we're just continuing to tape these shows, and you know, right now, Ed, all the talk is about coronavirus in, in the entire world, and obviously the epidemic has has hit all the major cities and every country, and whether it's Europe or the U.S. or some other countries out there in Asia that have dealt with this thing since December. It's it's a trying time right now, and you and I are just continuing to do our podcast because hey, you got to take your mind off of this, man. I mean, we got to talk football, we got to talk draft, and draft season will continue. And it seems like the NFL draft will go on, even though it's it's not going to be the most televised event out there. It's not going to be in Las Vegas. We're all going to be watching it from our television sets out there, but. You, through this trying time out there, Ed, you, you got to do stuff like this to entertain folks and, and our listeners. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I just want to send out, you know, uh, through this coronavirus, I, I know that there's a lot of people going through a hard time right now. I mean, you know, there's people financially, I mean, our, you know, in the U.S. here, you know, our, our stock market has fallen apart and, you know, a lot of people have lost their jobs and, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people who are kind of worried, you know, whether they're going to be able to make their first rent payment. And um, obviously the government, you know, is going to give us, um, you know, if you make less than I think like ninety nine thousand, you're going to get you're going to get a check from the government to, you know, keep it going. And, um, you know, and the hope is, is that, um, you know, we can we can get past this, we can get back to work and we can get back to our normal life. And. Um, you know, I, I have to say, though, that I am seeing some encouraging signs as far as the social distancing. I think it is working. Um, and so, you know, I, I just I just hope that, uh, you know, I hope that I hope for the best and I hope that we can recover from this when it when it's all said and done. Look, everything is going to be fine. Ed. just have to stay strong and have to have our faith and have to believe that better days will will come in the near future i mean that that's all we can do at this point i'm sure we'll get through it i mean it's all the nations are kind of gearing together and working on this thing and we'll solve it we definitely will just wash your hands and don't try to go every place possible i mean just stay safe if you got a chance to to stay at home and work at home stay there just go to the grocery store take a short trip you know, take a walk around your block, but don't don't do anything extreme out there. It's just stay safe and keep your yourself and your family protected, especially the little ones and the elderly. I mean, guys like ourselves. I mean, we can recover. Ed, the elderly and are are definitely in danger out there, and they just stay safe. It's only for a short time, a month or two. It's it's a lot shorter than. And what it seems like right now. So, but let's move on, Ed. That's all the talk is about that. We're going to talk about football. We're going to try to continue to bring you good content out of here. So, let's talk about free agency. A lot of free agents obviously signed through the first week. And last week's show, I, I talked about it, you know, all the quarterbacks and Tom Brady moving on to the Bucks. 
um, you know, leaving the Patriots, and a lot more guys have signed out there, a lot of big free agent names, but there are a few of them that are still on the market. And let's start with Cam Newton, Ed. Obviously, the Carolina Panthers signed Teddy Bridgewater to be their quarterback for the next three years. It's going to be Teddy Bridgewater and Matt Rule and, and Joe Brady and that whole company with Christian McCaffrey running the show. But Cam Newton was released from the Carolina Panthers. So what are we to make of this? I mean, we're looking at Cam Newton. His play has been declining the last few years just because he hasn't been healthy. The the durability concerns, I mean, they're long. It's a long list of injuries that this quarterback has had. But in 2015, 15-1 with the Carolina Panthers, he led them to the Super Bowl. So if he's healthy, Ed, He's a good option at quarterback. What do you think? Who are a couple of teams that might look in, in his direction? You know, I I think there's 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 really quite quite a few. Um, you know, I I think I think this would be especially a good move for a team who like maybe has a quarterback but is waiting a year um, to. Uh, you know, maybe like have a, have a bridge quarterback. Cause I think, I think maybe like a year of rest for Cam Newton. And I think he could come back and be a solid NFL starting quarterback. Um, you know, he's had a great career and I mean, he's, he has been a winner in his career. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater with Cam Newton. You know, there, there are, there are certain teams. I mean, I, I, I would say like a, I know they're not they're not like talking about it, but I mean maybe like a team like the Dolphins or something like that. Um, you know if they if they don't draft a quarterback, I mean maybe he he might be a guy or um, you know New England. I I I I think if you're in New England, I mean I I don't I don't understand why you haven't jumped on Cam Newton already. Makes sense, makes sense. I mean Bill Belichick is waiting. I, I think he's trying to drive the price down a little bit, whether it's for Cam Newton, whether it's for the with the trade with the Cincinnati Bengals for Andy Dalton. I think that's what he's trying to do, to be honest with you. Trying to be a patient man. He's trying to drive that price tag down a little bit. But I think the best fit for Cam Newton, I think it's the the Chargers, Ed. Los Angeles Chargers. They, they've moved on from Phillip Rivers. Uh, they've got Tyrod Taylor there. I realize that the Chargers are, will spend first round pick on a quarterback whether it's Tua whether it's Justin Herbert I think it's it's pretty clear that the Los Angeles Chargers will draft one at number six but they need to bring in a guy that can help mentor that guy maybe for a year or two why not bring in Cam Newton I mean the Chargers based on the moves that they've done this offseason Ed they brought in Chris Harris, the cornerback from the Denver Broncos. They traded for Trey Turner to improve their offensive line. They got Brian Bulaga from, from the Green Bay Packers to be their right tackle. So basically, their signings point to direction that the Chargers want to win now. You think you're going to win now with Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert or Tua? I think you can win now with a veteran quarterback like Cam Newton. If he's healthy, I think that would be a good option. I think Cam Newton to the Chargers. I'm driving the bandwagon, Ed. I just believe that would be a great signing for for both parties out there, even if it's a short-term deal, even if it's a situation where Cam Newton work for that next contract. But I wouldn't mind signing with the Chargers for a year and proving to the entire world and the Carolina Panthers that, hey, I'm, I'm still a good quarterback. Let's talk about another quarterback that 
All right, Jameis Winston believed that he was going to go back and and sign a big time deal with the with the Tampa Bay Bucks, even if it was going to be for three years. He believed that Bruce Arians was all in. All of a sudden, Tom Brady takes the deal, and Winston is out of options right now. I'm looking at the whole landscape of quarterbacks, and I just I can't see the Patriots going after Winston. I can't see the Dolphins doing the same because Brian Flores is there, an ex-Patriot. I don't think the Chargers will be moving in that direction because I think they were fed up with Phillip Rivers the past couple of years when he was throwing those picks. Jameis Winston, he's out of options, to be honest with you. He's not going to be a starting quarterback next year. That's pretty evident. So where do you think that he's going to wind up as a backup? You know, um, I, I think he, I think he maybe have, has a role as like a bridge quarterback. I mean, I, I think a team like a, te- a team like Miami, um, a team like San Diego, you know, who, who are probably who are probably teams that are going to draft a quarterback. You know, maybe you want to have a Jameis Winston who, you know, has some veteran experience, you know, come in and be the, you know, be the guy for a little bit, you know, but just before, I mean, usually what you do with these, these high end rookie quarterbacks is you, you know, you kind of sit them for the first four weeks, let them learn the playbook and then you start them and maybe, you know, you have Jameis Winston kind of be the starter for the first four weeks and then, um, you know, you, you have him, you have him sort of, you know, teach him the ropes and, um, so I, I mean, the, the, the only question mark, I guess, with that move is, is that, um, you know, is, is Jameis Winston the right guy to mentor a quarterback? I mean, I, I guess that's the weakness of the argument is like, you know, I mean, he, he's definitely had his off the field issues. He's definitely, you know, shown some things on the field. Um, I'm sure he has the knowledge of the quarterback position that he could help a guy like Justin Herbert, but you know, is, I mean, if, if I'm going to invest a big, a big, you know, uh, pick and maybe trade up for a guy like uh, Justin Herbert or Tua Tung Viola. I mean, my question is: is like, do I do I really wanna do I really wanna poison him with a guy like Jameis Winston? Would he be a good influence? So I think that's a big question with all this. I saw a story out there, Ed, that some people are floating out the idea that Jameis Winston wouldn't be a bad pickup as a backup for the Steelers. Obviously, Ben is coming back from the injury. They've got Mason Rudolph. They got Devlin Duck Hodges. What do you think about this idea? See, I think I'm in the minority where I actually, I actually kind of like the Steelers' quarterback depth. I mean, I think, I think Mason Rudolph was kind of thrown into the fire last year, and you know what? He shined at times, and yeah, certainly at times he didn't look very good. But I mean, I. I I, I, I still think Mason Rudolph deserves another chance as a backup quarterback in this league. Um, you know, if Ben goes down and, um, you know, it, I, I, I think, I think you, I think you give it to, to Mason Rudolph, you know, now he'll be in his third year, you know, so he'll be further developed. I thought Devlin Hodges did well. I mean, I remember like, you know, when, when the Steelers were eight and five, it was like Devlin Hodges hadn't won, I had lost like one game, you know, he had, he had a streak where he was winning like five or six games in a row. I, I mean, if, if if your number three is Devlin Hodges, I'm saying that's pretty good. I mean, I, I think that's a guy not only like you, I, I mean, he might even be practice squad, squad eligible, but I would I would keep him on the 53-man roster as your third quarterback because you know what? He, he can be lightning in a bottle. Yeah, if the Steelers don't keep Hodges on the regular 53-man roster, if he's going to wind up in the practice squad, somebody else is going to sign him. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty certain. I mean... There, he is much better than some other teams have as backups, and as uh, Hodges is not a bad quarterback to have, especially after his. Yeah, I say he had a solid rookie season uh, in 
with the situation that he was throwing in. And you know I'm a big fan of Hodges, and I hope he stays with the Steelers. How about a couple of pass rushers, Ed? Jadavian Clowney hasn't been signed yet. You know, the, the Seahawks traded for him last year, and they, they got him for a cheap price. I mean, they only gave up a third-round pick for him. Obviously, Bill O'Brien was getting rid of some good players back then already. And the Seahawks rented him. And the one thing that we saw with Clowney is that when he's healthy, he's a good player. But the durability concerns, it's its a long list with him. So I think that's why the teams haven't jumped at the chance to, to sign Jadavian Clowney and give him a big contract. But he's still 27 years old. And I've heard that the Colts and the Giants have have shown some interest in him. So where do you think is his best fit? Yeah, I, I, I think I think, you know, a team a team, you know, that needs a pass rusher, I think that's where you you go for him. I mean he is a little bit of an injury risk, but I mean you're getting him a little bit at a discount, you know, considering his upside. I mean he has great upside. He, I mean he can be an elite pass rusher in this league. I mean he was a former number on overall pick. So I, I would say I would say um you know, if you got some cap space and you need a pass rusher, and I mean, how many teams don't need a pass rusher, really? I mean, every I, team needs it. Every team needs yeah. it. Yeah, and so, and so, I mean, I, I, I actually like this signing for a lot of teams uh, that have cap space. There are a couple of, t- uh, there are two more pass rushers I wanted to mention. Marcus Golden, he was with the Giants last year. He recorded ten sacks in 2019 actually looked like a bright spot on that Giants defense that that struggled last year but uh, there weren't many takers for him last year and seems like he he's caught somebody's eye but nobody has jumped at the chance here but Marcus Golden is 29 years old and he was with the Cardinals before he was with the Giants and he's produced some some sack totals for them Everson Griffin he took a year off in 2018 but he came back strong last year he had eight sacks for the Minnesota Vikings uh, in 2019 he's 32 years old again teams are always looking for guys look at the deal that Robert Quinn got after what getting like 11 and a half sacks with the Dallas Cowboys in 2019 well he signed a huge deal out there um and look is Everson Griffin not same talent as you know as Robert Quinn out there he certainly has been more consistent year in and year out so Everson Griffin could be a, a nice edge rusher and Logan Ryan I've been really surprised he's his asking price must be really really high but Logan Ryan had his best year in 2019. 113 tackles for a corner, intercepted four passes, knocked down a career-high total of 18 passes, and forced four fumbles. Those are crazy numbers. He was one of the leaders of that Tennessee Titans defense. And obviously, they gave a lot of money to Ryan Tannehill. Derrick Henry came back. They signed him to a franchise deal. Obviously, they don't have any money to offer Logan Ryan, but he's 29 years old. He's an experienced corner who's been with the Patriots, who's been with the Titans. I mean, Byron Jones got a huge deal, Ed. Logan Ryan should get, you know, 8 to $10 million a year, but nobody has jumped at the chance yet. I'm really surprised. Yeah, I I, th- I think I think you know teams teams are always looking for corners and I mean if they could if they could go you know if I mean teams need corners and so somebody's gonna sign this guy and someone's gonna have to give him starter money so um, you know it may not be the first week but you know he he's definitely gonna be one of the higher profile signings of 
you know, sort of the second and third week of free agency. So that leads us to the next segment. You mentioned teams are always looking for good corners. There are so few of them out there, to be honest with you. I mean, guys are getting picked off the street during the the regular season. Teams are scrambling always to to fill up their secondary and especially their cornerbacks out there on a roster when a few of them go down due to injuries. This cornerback class is an interesting one, Ed. The, the 2020 cornerback class, I would give it a B grade because there's a lot of depth and there are a lot of guys across the board. You have some guys in the first round. There are going to be plenty of guys that would go on day two. And you also have some nice options on day three. And um, obviously the wide receiver class has received a lot of attention, has a lot of depth, has a lot of great players at the top. And obviously we'll see you know six or seven offensive tackles go in the first round, and it's really top-heavy there. But the cornerback class is, is a deep one. It's a good one. And let's get right into it, Ed. Uh, obviously, we're going to go through the top 10. And let's start with your number 10 corner on the board. Okay, yeah. Uh, my number 10 cornerback on the board is uh, Damon Arnett. He's a cornerback from Ohio State. Um, he's an outside corner, but he also played in the slot. He's a little tight-hipped. Um, decent at staying in phase, in coverage, uh, good awareness in zone. Did well in pass press coverage. Um, he's an average open field tackler. So I think this is a decent corner pick. I mean, you know, definitely a guy you get like maybe in round three or four. And I mean, you know, he could he he could he could really be a solid pickup for you. Yeah, Damon Arnett uh, from Ohio State. You know, Jeff Akuda has gotten a lot of attention, but Damon Arnett played with an injury the entire year. Ed, he played with a broken wrist. You know, that's that's amazing to me, especially. If, Ohio State played a lot more man coverage this past year. Uh, They played zone in 2018, but last year they played a lot of man coverage, a lot of press man coverage, and he's like, you know, he might be considered one of the toughest corners in this draft. Playing with the broken wrist, landing those initial jams at the line of scrimmage, that's a tough task, especially when you're playing in the playoffs, when you're playing against teams like Clemson and Michigan, so... I give props to Damon Arnett. He had a really good senior season. So we'll go on to number nine. Um, I got A.J. Green, uh, cornerback from Oklahoma State. Um, I liked what I saw from him at the Senior Bowl. Um, I do think some things on tape need to be talked about. Um, Needs to be a better tackler. Um, A little overmatched by bigger receivers. But I like that he's got a lot of contact at the line of scrimmage, physicality. I think he's I think he's a decent enough uh man coverage guy. You know, he he does the job in man coverage. Um you know, he's long, he's fast. Um so this is this is a guy, you know, this is definitely a solid solid cornerback pick. I mean, you can put him on the outside and you know, he might he might surprise you a little bit. We'll see. Obviously, at the, the combine, he ran a 4.6, and then at his pro day before they got shut down, I think he ran a 4.54, if I'm not mistaken. So he showed better speed at home at his familiar ground at Oklahoma State. But I do see he doesn't have that long speed on film. So when I saw that, I saw that 4.6 time at the scouting combine, I wasn't surprised because he gets, he gets handsy. With, with guys when he's running downfield. 
And that, that could be a problem at the next level. This isn't the Big 12. This is the NFL. Let's move on to the next guy. Well, so another senior bowl guy, uh, Lamar Jackson, not that Lamar Jackson, um, cornerback from Nebraska. Um, he's more of a bump and run corner, um, which you don't see as much in this draft class. Um, he's a good cover corner and man. Um, I think he could be a little more active in run defense um, and run support. Uh, played on the outside and in the slot, you know, so he's position flexible. Um, sometimes he opens up his hips too early. Um, you know, and so he, he, um, you know, he can kind of get beat underneath, you know, in those kind of underneath routes. Um, but yeah, this is, this is, this is another solid pick. Um, you know, again, a guy you can get sort of in the third or fourth round, you know, he'll make your roster and, um, you know, hopefully he turns into your, you know, and turns into a starting cornerback. Yeah. They're hoping that he's going to turn into another good Lamar Jackson pick for them in the NFL. I'm going to kill Lamar Jackson. I think he's overrated, Ed. I thought at the Senior Bowl, he actually did well. He helped himself. But the one thing that he's got for himself, he's got great size and he's got long arms. But I think he's the most overrated corner in this entire draft, just in general. I think he has average speed. He struggles changing directions. He displays questionable instincts. He's an average run defender, like you said, and he actually lacks effort in that department. You know, you would expect a guy who's about 6'2", you know, 210, 215, to be aggressive, to be a good tackler. I didn't see that on film. He also needs to develop a more effective jam and press coverage. So, to me, Lamar Jackson from Nebraska is the most overrated corner in this draft. I just figured I'll throw that, throw that in there before you get to the underrated, overrated guys for you at the end of the show. Uh, let's get to the next guy. Um, I think this probably won't surprise Alex, but it might surprise some people at home. Uh, you know, Dane Jackson, cornerback from Pittsburgh. I mean, this is kind of like my this is kind of like my crush. I mean, me being a Pittsburgh guy. I mean, I'll admit I'm a little biased, but I really, I really just like his game too. Um, he's a good cover guy, good ball skills. Um, maybe a little too heavy on the contact sometimes. I think he has good instincts. Um, one of the weaknesses I see is he kind of opens up his hips too early. But overall, I mean, I think this is a this is a guy you know who's gonna be a good NFL corner. And um, you know, some people are talking about him being like a six round pick. And um, you know, I, I I really you know if I'm a GM, I think I can I think I can get him in like in the fourth round. And you know, he can be. He can be a, you know, a, a solid pick for me. Why not? I mean, as a day three pick, we always see guys that guys that go on day three cornerbacks outperform guys that go in round round one because they have a little more time to develop because you know, coaches spend a little more time teaching them proper technique and those guys listen a little bit more than those high profile corners. I'm not going to kill Dane Jackson. Uh, Jazzy Stalker was on our show before. He's a safety from Pitt, and he praised Dane Jackson for being a good teammate. And what what did he call it? He called it Jackson Island. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like Revis Island. Pitt had Pitt had Daryl Revis before, so obviously the, the the name stuck. Revis Island, right? And he called it Jackson Island. So he's one of the better 
run support corners in this draft. He's a really good tackler out there. And I think that's that's a strong suit for Dane Jackson. Makes a lot of tackles in the open field and is a good wrap-up tackler. And that's going to be a theme, Ed, because this cornerback class, these guys, even the top guys, they can't tackle. I mean, that's something you can teach guys, but sometimes effort can't be taught. And a lot of the top guys that you and I are going to talk about, guys that are going to be in the top five, these guys can't tackle. So it's always refreshing to see a corner that is willing to stick his neck out there and and tackle some guys out there. And Dane Jackson certainly is. He excels in run support. All right, so we'll go on to uh, my number six guy is uh, Trayvon Diggs, cornerback from Alabama. Um, This is a guy who played inside and in the slot. Um, you know, and also on the outside, um, he plays decent press coverage, um, probably not as good of awareness and soft coverage, you know, when he, when he was kind of off uh, playing off man, um, it was, it was, it didn't look as good. Needs to take better angles when tackling, um, probably more of an outside corner in the NFL, but, um, you know, I, I think this is, this is a guy who has the size and I think he has the coverage ability you know, to, to sort of, to sort of do the job. Um, maybe, maybe this would be like a nice, uh, number two corner for you. You know, maybe the guy who can cover your Z receiver. I think this might be your guy. Well, Trayvon Diggs is the younger brother of Stefan Diggs, who is with the Buffalo Bills now. Uh, he's a wide receiver and Trayvon came to Alabama as a wide receiver. And then they switched him to corner during his freshman season. Now, obviously, he's been a starter there the, the past couple of years. Now, interesting. I mean, don't you, don't you feel when you look at Trayvon Diggs, because of his size, because of his really extremely long arms, do you see like a Seattle type of corner or a San Francisco 49ers type of corner? Like you stick him in a cover three scheme, a zone heavy type of scheme, and he can be successful. So the thing is, though, about him is I actually like him better in press coverage than I do kind of playing off zone. Interesting, because, see, to me, I actually have question marks about his lawn speed. I don't think he's a 4-4 guy. And I have question marks about his technique in press. And just because he doesn't have ideal technique in press, I don't think he's going to be able to get away with those speed deficiencies. Quicker guys... Like 4-3, 4-4 guys, they're going to just take the top off that defense. And they're just going to burn Trayvon Diggs. And and that's why I think with a guy like this, I mean, you can hide him in zone coverage. Teach him a little bit more and uh, develop his technique and zone and off-man coverage. And I think you're going to be fine. I just I see a guy with his length and his long arms that that's where he would be a best fit. But see, you and I differ on this. How about the number five guy on your board, Ed? Um, so I like, I like this guy, Jeff Gladney, um, from TCU. Um, you know, I probably didn't rate him as high as like some other people did. I think you had him rated higher, but, um, I think the guy has good instincts. He's good in main coverage. I think he's a smart player. I think he did a good job against CD lamb and I think he stays in phase. Well, um, you know, I kind of dropped him behind some of the bigger school guys just because, you know, TCU, he wasn't going up against as great a competition, but you know, he did. He did. He did do well against C.D. Lamb, so that gives me an indication that this can be a good corner in the NFL. He did a really good job against Hakeem Butler, who was a fourth-round pick of the Arizona Cardinals in 2019. 
yeah, he's faced some some good players out there. He's shadowed these guys. The only thing is, Ed, I mean, he played with the knee issue throughout his senior season. He played with the meniscus tear, and after he tested at the combine, he had surgery on it. And it seems like he's going to miss uh, four to five months, and uh, that's a tough blow because he was one of my favorite guys in this draft. I mean, the speed, the instincts, the ball skills, the quick feet, you see it. see a lot of potential out there. He reads routes really well. I mean, he reads and runs those routes for the wide receivers a lot of the time. And that's impressive to see. You see a guy that that does his film work and recognizes what the offense is trying to do in, in passing situations. Gladney's an interesting pick. I'm just, he's going to miss some time. And he's going to be ready for training camp, it seems like. But I'm sure he's going to drop in some people's eyes. And in mine as well. I mean, I would actually push him to... I wouldn't mind spending like a late first-round pick on him based on what I've seen on film. But now with the injury, it pushes him down to to day two because it's a little bit of a risky situation out there. Well, let's get to... We get to the top four. All right. Well, um, number four, I got A.J. Terrell, uh, cornerback from Clemson. I like this guy more than Trayvon Mullen for sure. Um, I think he needs to have better tackling technique, but I think he has very good ball skills. I think he stays in coverage, phase in coverage well. I think he has decent physicality in coverage. I think he, uh, I think he's an average blitzer. Um, the question, one of the questions is, if does he open up his hips too early on deep balls? Um, but yeah, I think I think this is a very solid cornerback pick, and I think he's he's definitely in that in that day two territory. Um, and yeah, I like I like him more than Trayvon Mullen from from Clemson. Well, he's got the length. He's got 4-4 speed, Ed, and he changes directions really well. He's got great COD out there. It's just his hips look fluid. He he doesn't seem to stop. He, he's always moving out there, and he can, he can drop them and, and just drive on the ball, and I love to see that. But you know what? A lot of people forget. A.J. Torella has been a very good corner the last two years, but he's been getting killed, Ed, just because of those last two games. And I remind, I want to remind our listeners, Clemson faced Ohio State, who has the best wide receivers in the entire land out there. And then, obviously, that Jamar Chase game. I mean, if you haven't watched AJ's film, and if you go and watch that game against Jamar Chase in the national championship game, I mean, obviously, you'll be left disappointed. You'll be like, God, he's trash. But... Every film, Ed, I mean, hasn't it like, you turn on the film, you watch Trayvon Diggs, you watch Terrell, you watch some other guys out there like C.J. Henderson. Didn't Jamar Chase make everyone look silly? Yeah, I mean, like I said, Jamar Chase had a great sophomore season with the LSU Tigers. And it seems like every corner that he's gone up against, and all these corners are in this draft, by the way, A.J. Terrell and... Obviously, you've got C.J. Henderson, and uh, obviously, you know, he is, he, he's gone up against Trayvon Diggs as well when they faced Alabama, and Cameron Dantzler as well, the, the other corner from Mississippi State. Jamar Chase made all these guys look silly out there, so uh, go turn on some other film out there because Chase is going to be a great wide receiver. He's a Bolitnikoff Award winner who, who was on the other end of a lot of Joe Burrow's passes, so... That's 
like I said, if if you just turn on that film, the national championship game, Terrell looks like trash. But he's a very good player, and I'm sure he's going to sneak in there, and he's going to go somewhere early day two. So we get to the top three, Ed. Yeah, and I, I really like this top three. Um, I think you got all good options here. The reason why I put Christian Fulton third is because of the stuff that he did off the field. I guess the, you know, the 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 marijuana test. Um, you know, he he uh, you know, he he, he it's it's a long story, but I think he tried to use someone else's urine to pass a marijuana test, and then he kind of admitted to it, and you know, he was out for a year, and so that's gonna raise some question marks, but. To be honest with you, I think he's learned from it. I think he's come back, and I think he's grateful to be playing football again. And, you know, he had a good year to bounce back. Um, I like his man coverage. I think he stays in phase and coverage. Um, Good open field tackler, plays with some physicality. So this is a good corner on the field, and I think think he's learned from what he's, he's, his mistakes. And I think this is a guy you can take in the first round. I just want to clear something up, Ed. So if Fulton didn't have the off the field issues you would have him as the number one corner in this draft am i am i correct to to assume that i would put it this way i don't know if i'd put him in the number one in the draft in this in this draft but i think that there would be other years where he would be a number one corner without the without the off the field issues i think I think this is also just. I mean, I, I I'm really high on Henderson and Okuda, and I'm I'm sorry to telegraph what what my top two are, but I mean it was probably not hard to figure out at home. Um, you know, I I'm really I'm really, you know, I I th- I think this is a very I think this is a top heavy cornerback class. I think this is a cornerback class that has depth on day three, and I think there's good day two depth. This is just a very if you're gonna draft a cornerback, if you have a cornerback need, draft it this year. You know, I would definitely do that if I was a team. And 95% of the teams out there in the NFL, they are in need of of upgrades at corner. All right, let's go to number two. So number two is uh, C.J. Henderson, uh, cornerback from Florida. He's physical in coverage, stays in phase well, um, good, decent blitzing ability, active in run support, uh, more of an outside corner, decent ball skills. Uh, maybe needs to get off blocks better, but um, you know, also a combine warrior. You know, good speed, good athleticism. You know, good three cones. So, uh, you know, I, I'd say I'd say C.J. Henderson is definitely you know, if you if you can't get Okuda, you know, you're not picking high enough for Okuda, but you're trying to get a good corner in this draft. I think C.J. Henderson is a guy you zone in on. And I might surprise a lot of listeners about this, but I have C.J. Henderson as my number one corner in this draft. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of Jeff Okuda, especially as a top 10 pick, especially when he's getting top five love. I just don't see it. I don't get it. I realize that a lot of it has to do with his upside and his physical measurables and what he did as a junior, saw improvements in his game. But C.J. Henderson is the number one corner on the board for me. He started for three years. I love his athleticism. I like his speed. Uh, He mirrors the receiver really well. He's really good at man coverage as well. And um, that's my number one guy. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here. Update my rankings. C.J. Henderson is going to be the number one corner over Jeff Okuda. And I wouldn't have a problem, actually, if I were like the Jacksonville Jaguars at number nine spending that 
pick on on CJ Henderson because I think he's a good corner. The only pet peeve that I have about Henderson, and this drives me crazy, because I like my corners to tackle. I like corners to, to stick their neck out there and show better effort. And Henderson was atrocious there as a junior. I mean, his effort was was horrible, Ed. This isn't the fact that he can't tackle. He can't. It's something that can't be taught by a good secondaries coach. But it's his willingness to, to stick his neck out there and run support. It drives me crazy. I've never put a corner at number one that has deficiencies as a tackler the way what Henderson has shown throughout his college career and especially during his junior year. But I do realize that he played with an injury. I'm going to give him some slack for that. But I'm making an exception for C.J. Henderson because I've never put a corner at number one that just that is so sloppy with his tackling technique and, and shows no heart and effort when it comes to to run support but i do know that it can be taught and i do realize that i'm sure cj henderson is going to show a better effort in the nfl if he doesn't he's not going to stick in the league well let's get to your number one corner red obviously it's it's the man from ohio state yeah i i just i really like the way he he kind of stays in phase mirrors the receiver well in press coverage um he really I mean, it's like it's like it's like he's almost like a, you know, that top defenseman in a basketball game. Just the way he kind of sticks on him, like white on rice kind of guy. Um, I think he tackles the catch well. You know, when he gives up a catch, I think he's good awareness in zone. I think he reads his keys well. I think he opens up his hips in time to stay in coverage with the deep defender uh, or the deep offender. Um, you know, he also. Uh, I I mean he needs better ball skills, but you know he measured well. I, I I just I think this is this is a slam dunk dunk you know top top seven pick. Yeah, he's probably going to go there, and there are plenty of teams that are in need of corners, especially at the top of the draft. Let's start with the Detroit Lions at number three, uh, the Carolina Panthers at number seven. I think would be happy to get Jeff Okuda after they let James Bradbury go. So. I get it. I think the one thing that really drives me crazy is that there are a lot of people out there comparing him to Patrick Peterson. They're comparing him to Jalen Ramsey when those guys were coming out of college. That's what probably drives me crazy. I don't see that elite cover man. I don't see the same instincts. I He struggles with route anticipation. He also needs to improve in press, press man coverage. I mean, I get that he has great upside, but I just... I don't see him measuring up to those guys that he's been mentioned with in the same sentence. I just, that really drives me crazy. And that's why I put C.J. Henderson at number one, just because I think C.J. Henderson has a lot more upside than Akuda. Let's get to overrated, underrated, and sleepers out there. Who do you want to start with? Well, I guess my underrated guy is, uh, I've already talked about Dane Jackson, um, but my other underrated guy is... uh, Noah Igbino Kane. Um, he's a cornerback from Auburn. Um, he's more of an outside guy. He has decent physicality. Uh, he could be a little bit more active in run support, but I think he stays in phase well, opens up his hips on time, and he has decent ball skills. So Yeah, Auburn. Auburn Auburn has had great corners in the past, and we saw it with Carlton Davis and they've got Javaris Davis as well. I actually like Javaris Davis, Ed. 
He's a very physical player, a good wrap-up tackler, has outstanding closing speed and quick feet. I'm a big fan of Davis. I think he's one of the most underrated corners in this draft. And another underrated guy for me is Amik Robertson from Louisiana Tech. Another undersized corner, like Javaris Davis, he's a slot guy, but he plays much bigger than his size. He's physical, he's feisty, he's got great instincts and ball skills. I get it that not many people listening to the show know his name, Amik Robertson, Louisiana Tech. I mean, he didn't play at Ohio State or LSU. But those savvy draft Knicks that are listening, Amik Robertson is one of my favorite guys on this draft. I'm I'm a big fan, Ed. So let's get your your take on the most overrated player. I already mentioned Lamar Jackson from Nebraska. I want to get your take on who the most overrated corner in this draft is. Well, one guy, and I think you'll be a little surprised by this, but Jalen Johnson from Utah, um, you know, they're rating this guy pretty high, but, um, you know, he's a guy who can play in the slot on the outside, fluid hips, average tackler. I think he just plays a lot of soft coverage. Why else do you think that Jalen Johnson is an overrated corner? Well, I just think they asked him to kind of play that soft man. I didn't think he had very good awareness, and I think, you know, if you're asked to play soft man and you've been exposed in your awareness... It kind of tells me, like, you know, what, 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 what is he? I mean, he's not a, he's not a press corner. He's not a zone corner. I just can't find a role for him, you know, and I can't find a scheme for him. So Jalen Johnson is kind of my overrated guy. And the other guy, and this is hard to say because it's actually a guy I liked interviewing, a Sang Bassey, cornerback from West Wake Forest. Um, you know, he, he, he matched up well with against tight ends. You know, I think I, I saw him in the slot and in the outside. He plays kind of a soft man coverage. Doesn't stay in phase with the receiver in man coverage. Um, could be more supportive in run defense. So, um, good guy, but I don't, I don't know if he has the tape to really be a successful corner in the NFL. Let's get to your sleeper, Ed. I'm, I actually know who it is. And I'm actually on board with you. I actually believe he's one of the sleepers in this draft, if you if you can call him that, because he was at the East-West Shrine game. He was at the Combine. So, I mean, this guy is around. Uh, he played at a major program out there. Um, played at a, a big-time school in Florida, Ed. Well, we almost gave it away out there. Who's, who is the sleeper that you're most excited about in this 2020. Well, I like this kid, Neville Clark, uh, cornerback from uh, UCF. Um, I think he's very good at staying in phase. I think he opens up his hips on time. I think he's good awareness in zone, has very good ball skills, capable press corner, um, can be active in open field tackling. So a lot of uh, I see a lot of strengths on tape, and he can do a lot of different things for you. This is a guy who is going to fall kind of by the radar. You know, he didn't play. He didn't play that sort of major college football. You know, he played at UCF. I mean, it's still a good program, but... A great program. A great program. I mean, they look at the all the games that they've won uh, with, you know, the guys that they had, Scott Frost and Josh Heupel. I mean, UCF is, is definitely up there, Red. Uh, but I don't think he has overwhelming speed. I actually have question marks about his lawn speed. But I like everything else about him. Like you mentioned, ball skills... Uh, his ability to play different schemes. I think the Chargers would be the type of team. He could be like a Casey Hayward type of corner. 
a guy who could develop into into a big-time corner at the next level. So I'm actually glad that he's one of your sleepers. You and I don't always see eye-to-eye, eye, but you know this is the one guy that we, uh, that we agree. Yeah. How do you how do you look at this cornerback class? I already mentioned that obviously it's a it's a deep group. It has a lot of talented players. Some guys in the first round, but I think the depth will show up on day two. I gave a a B grade when we started talking about cornerbacks. How do you view this group as a whole? Is it the deepest position um, after the wide receiver class? Yeah, I would say. I would say. I mean, I, you know. In this draft, I, I would say, you know, get a receiver, you know, also get a corner, you know, to cover. Um, I, th- I think those are, I think it's probably the number two position you can get in this draft. Um, You're always looking at corners in the NFL draft just because it's a passing league and you can't have too many good corners on your roster. And by the way, it's a very difficult position to, to scout aside from quarterback, I think cornerback is the second toughest position to evaluate because you just never know. And I think NFL teams have a hard time drafting corners because a lot of the guys that go in the first round, they just never pan out. And then you see guys going on day three and they just they become great corners. And time and time again, you see that. So we're here with our guest, the Carrius Keys, cornerback from Tulane. The Carrius, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you today? Good man. Um, so let's get right to it. Um, so how did you get the nickname Bo Peach? Um, I got that nickname from my grandmother uh, ever since I was a young kid, and it was just a name that she called me once, and it stuck with me from that point. Obviously, Thakarius, you were at the scouting combine. Tell us about that experience in Indy, uh, being on on such a big stage. It was a great experience for me, you know, not having much exposure coming from a small school. Um, I I got to meet a lot of new people as far as, like, players and learn a lot of different techniques that different people learn. So it was a great learning experience for me. Also, a great experience to be around so many people that I'll soon eventually be able to play with and play against soon. The, the, scouting, the scouting combine obviously brings a lot of pressure on draft prospects. Vicarious, how were you able to deal with that psychological test on and off the field? Well, just dealing with it. Um, it's kind of a thing that you just have to get through, but it's not too bad once you see it. So I just think about different things while I'm going through the test that not just trying to rest through, take my time, you know, and answer as many questions as possible that I could get. Were you happy with your overall performance? I mean, I know you only did the vert and the broad jump and instead of doing all the tests. Tell us about your results. Were you happy with the work that you put in? Um, no, I wasn't as satisfied with what I had. I felt like I could have done better or prepared myself better for it, but and I, I eventually wanted to do it again at Pro Day, but now that it's canceled, a bad situation now. So, Why didn't you run the 40? Uh, tell our listeners about it, why you, you didn't do the rest of the test. Um, I was injured back in the season before my bowl game, so it kind of put me in a place as a setback. So 
I wasn't 100% ready to run a 40 at the combine, so I was patiently waiting to run it at Pro Day. That's, that's the complete reason. You didn't start playing football until your junior year of high school. Why is that? I was a basketball player. <laughs> I had hoop dreams. So I played basketball from AAU days up until high school, my 10th grade year. And my 11th grade year, my high school football coach and some of my friends that played football, they convinced me to come play. And that's when I just realized that I was missing football at the time. So I eventually went back and began playing. And once I began starting my junior year, I realized that that was a sport that I missed a lot. I eventually ended up playing both sports, and we ended up winning the championship my junior year and basketball my senior year. So that was a great, great experience for me. Can you talk about your other accomplishments in basketball? I also won like a defensive player of the year in our district and not much of a great basketball player. I was a good basketball player. So what originally made you choose Tulane? Tulane was my biggest D1 offer coming out of high school. I grabbed a lot of offers from JUCOs and SWAC schools, but I I was going to East Mississippi, but Tulane offered me later in the process. Actually, after signing day, took the opportunity to visit to Tulane University, and I liked the campus. I loved the staff and the atmosphere there in New Orleans. So that's what eventually I ended up signing there. It was a great move for me. Uh, Thakarius, obviously Tulane has a cornerback tradition. Lorenzo Dawes, Perry Nickerson, Donnie Lewis last year who went in the seventh round. What is it like following in the footsteps of those players? Uh, it's great. It's great. You know, I learned from all those guys. They taught me a lot that I needed to know. And they also taught me defenses. And they're great mentors for me through the process. So it's a great experience to be able to come behind some guys that know knows what's going on at the next level and can be able to help me even when I need help on NFL schemes or anything that it is that I need to know. I know I can depend on them. So, yeah, it's pretty much a great experience coming out of Tulane from those guys. Uh, there's another prospect in this 2020 NFL draft, the wide receiver Darnell Mooney. Uh, tell me, what was it like to go up and practice against him each and every day? Oh, it was great. It was great going against Darnell because he's a competitor. And we just love going against each other because, you know, iron struggles to iron. So going against him each and every day, it made me more patient and more calm in the game because the reps that I got from him at practice each and every day were hard and competitive. So once I got in the game, I could just relax and be patient with my cadence and just keep going forward. He helped me out a lot. You're going to be a great player for somebody's team. What are your strengths? Uh, my, my strengths are ball skills, press man coverage, and communication. J.J. Uh, McCluskey was your secondary coach at Tulane. Let's expand on that. Obviously, he played in the NFL. Uh, what, what's the biggest thing that you learned from from J.J. McCluskey? The biggest thing I learned from J.J. is being able to drop my weight as a DB, you know, as a DB, you have to drop your weight a lot, even on double moves and for, like, comebacks and for hard drive outs. So we practiced that a lot. I practiced a lot. He taught me more of my footwork drills and 
and NFL defenses as well. JJ taught me a lot, and throughout the process, he showed me different techniques, which were great for me and helped me a lot throughout the season. What's the key to playing the cornerback position? Patience is the main key, and communication to be a second. Those are the main two that I think are most important for a DB, patience and communication. Who is the corner you model your game after or watch film on? I would say Jimmy Rams or Jermaine uh, Johnson. I mean, when you watch film on Jalen Ramsey, what makes him so special? Obviously, he's a great athlete. He's got great speed. But what stands out to you when you watch film on him? His focus and the way he attacks the ball. He always attacks the ball aggressively. And ball is always the main key for him. Even when he's out of phase, he still tries to make a play on the ball or tries to catch it to his man. And he always goes each cadence. And he has very good consistency. He's consistent with what he does each and every game. What can we expect from Tulane next year? Uh, give us a little breakdown of the team and the guys that are coming back. Uh, we have a lot of great guys coming back, a lot of young guys. As you know, the team was already young. So we're, I, I think we'll have a lot of good talent coming out of Tulane, and I think it'll be a better year for them than last year or and the year before. Uh, the DBs are very good. They have good speed, good size, and the skill players on offense. So you have a Mar Jones coming out the backfield. He was ranked the number four running back in the nation, and I feel like he'll have a big year. I think the quarterback spot will be filled up great, and with Keon Howard, who was our backup quarterback last year, I feel like he has a great communication and great chemistry with. Everyone on the team, not only just the offense, the defense as well. So I just feel like they'll be a great team together. They all work together good. Vicarious, uh, one last final pitch, uh, sales pitch. Uh, what do you? What would you bring to an NFL team? Uh, what What type of guy would they be getting on and off the field? For one, they'll be getting a guy with great energy on and off the field. You know, on the field, I, I could bring leadership to any team, no matter where it is. I'm pretty versatile. And I'm a, I'm a fast developer, and I can help. I can help anyone who's willing to help. And that's not just on the field, but also off the field. I feel like I can be a great guy in the community and help others as well. I plan on not only just shifting the atmosphere of on the field, but off the field as well. So, Well, Vicarious, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Good luck to you uh, with the rest of this journey. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. This was Blitzcast number 101. Thank you for listening. Take care.